Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me for this very special episode are my friends and co-hosts, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And gentlemen, we also have a very, very special guest today, the most connected man in all of soccer. Fabrizio Romano is back for another episode to help us make sense of the end of the transfer window, which closes six weeks from now on September 1st. Fabrizio, we've got plenty to ask you, including questions from our dear listeners. So let's get right to it. There's only one place this conversation could start, and that's with the Cristiano Ronaldo saga. Oliver Kahn, of all people, made some waves uh, in the news saying that Bayern Munich wouldn't be interested in uh, Ronaldo's services for the upcoming season. And that means there really aren't that many suitors out there who kind of tick all Cristiano's boxes that he's looking for for a team. So where do you think this saga is going as we reach uh, the last few weeks of the transfer window? It's going very slow. It's going very slow because it's not easy to find a solution for Cristiano Ronaldo. When you're Cristiano Ronaldo and you're looking for a top club, it's never, it's never so easy. Let me say that Manchester United are still very clear. Also, while we speak, they insist that Cristiano is not for sale, that they really want to keep Cristiano the club. And Eric Ten Hag is waiting to have a new meeting, a new conversation face-to-face with, Christ- with Cristiano Ronaldo and with his agent, uh, Jorge Mendes, to discuss about the future because the feeling of Eric Ten Hag is that uh, it was a very good conversation, the first one they had uh, once Eric Ten Hag was just announced as new Manchester United manager. And what I'm told is that Cristiano Ronaldo is really happy with Eric Ten Hag. So he considers Eric Ten Hag a top manager, the perfect man to do it at Manchester United, to rebuild Manchester United. But the real problem is about the ambition of the club, the signings, the build, the rebuilding of the team. This is what Cristiano wanted to say by Manchester United at the moment. is still at so early stages. And this is why Cristiano Ronaldo asked to leave the club. So the situation is 
Manchester United trying to change his mind, trying and waiting for Cristiano to come back to have a conversation and trying to change his mind and keep Cristiano at the club. But at the same point, uh, also today, Cristiano Ronaldo still pushing together with his agent, Jorge Mendes, to find a solution, to find a club, to go and try a new experience. Uh, let me say that Jorge Mendes uh, was pushing a lot with Chelsea. He was trying with new Chelsea owner Todd Bowley after two meetings uh, to push with Cristiano to have this opportunity for Cristiano Ronaldo to play in London for the first time in his career. So he wanted this opportunity, but at Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel is the man who decides now, of course, together with Todd Bowley. But Tuchel has a lot of power into the football decisions at Chelsea. And Tuchel said no to this opportunity. As of today, I say as of today because I'm sure that Jorge Mendes, knowing how he works, he will push and try and try again till the end of the window. But as of today, Tuchel wants different players for Chelsea project. So it's a no on Chelsea side. And same with Bayern. Let me say that Bayern is a bit different because at Bayern, internally at the club, uh, at the, into the board of the club, they feel that the philosophy of Bayern is different. And this is why they are not going for Cristiano Ronaldo. And this is why they are stating in public that they are not going for Cristiano Ronaldo. At the same point, uh, I'm told that someone into the club would be tempted by this opportunity with, uh, with Cristiano. But as of now, it's still a no because they don't want to go against the philosophy of the club. So it's complicated with Bayern. It's complicated with Chelsea. Let's see what happens with other clubs around Europe. I'm told Italian clubs at the moment, it's a no for Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's not easy. The Arabic club made a big proposal for Cristiano, but it's a no on Cristiano's side as of now. And so I'm really curious to see what happens because Eric Hag is still waiting and hoping to keep Cristiano in the club. Fabrizio, we haven't really seen much from Bayern. If they're saying no to Ronaldo... They did add Matias De Litt in defense, but they haven't really gone toward replacing Robert Lewandowski as a true striker. And they did add Sadio Mane. Do you think the plan is they're going to just play Mane as a traditional striker? Or could we see Bayern potentially make a move here and go after a more traditional striker? I think they will explore the market till the end. Uh, so Mane is an option, as you mentioned, but I think they will explore this possibility uh, on the market for strikers till the end. We had rumors on Harry Kane, and I'm told that Harry Kane is absolutely not on the market, so it's almost impossible this summer to sign Harry Kane. But I'm sure that Bayern will wait for this striker's domino till the end to look for opportunities. Mane could be an opportunity to play in that position, but I'm sure that they will try and try until, until the end. Of course, they wanted to spend... Uh, big, mar big part of the money uh, on, on Matthijs De Ligt because Nagelsmann is in love with De Ligt. He's convinced that De Ligt will become one of the best centre-backs uh, in the future around, uh, around Europe. Uh, and so they wanted to invest big money on him. But I'm sure that they're going to try for strikers in the coming weeks. So it depends on the opportunities. We know how Bayern work. They are never, uh, never spending money on players they don't trust. So they will decide together with Nagelsmann. But I'm sure that we have to keep it open for Bayern. Fabrizio, let's talk about Robert Lewandowski's new team, Barcelona. My main question is, how are they financing this transfer window? Because by all accounts, this is a club that is massively in debt because of the pandemic, but yet they're still able to spend money on Rafinha and Robert Lewandowski. How is Barcelona financing this transfer window? And could we see them fall into a similar situation where they're, they're not able to register players similar to last summer when Lionel Messi had to leave the club? Let me say that your question is a very good one because all people in football uh, are, are complaining on this situation, are trying to understand how Barcelona are able to do it. I still remember in December when they signed Ferran Torres, it was like almost impossible, according to the press, to sign Ferran Torres. And then they did it in, in 48 hours with Manchester City. So this summer, what changed is that they sold part of the TV rights and this is helping Barcelona uh, to, to make their moves. This is how they signed Rafinha and Lewandowski and, of course, Kessie and Christensen on the free, on a free transfer. 
transfer. But at same point, uh, of course, they will need to sell some player now because they did a different strategy. They wanted to give Xavi the players he wanted and he needed. Rafinha, Lewandowski and Goldraders as soon as possible. But now it will be time for them to find solutions for many players like Neto, Titi, Minguesa, and also let's see what happens with, uh, with Frankie de Jong, but players like uh, Memphis Depay, for example, they have many and many players who can be considered on the market. So of course it will be almost impossible to have uh, to the same amount they spent on Rafinha and Lewandowski by selling these players. But the salary situation is the really important one for Barcelona right now. They need to sell these players because of the salary uh, situation. So this is why uh, they are trying to find solutions. But at the same point, they wanted to give Xavi these top players as soon as possible. And so this was the strategy and was successful. So following up on that, the Frankie de Jong situation, obviously, it's as you reported, Manchester United and Barcelona have agreed to a fee for Frankie de Jong. But it's very clear that he does not want to leave Barcelona. By the end of this transfer window, do you think that Frank de Jong will actually stay at Barcelona or will he be in Manchester? As of today, while we're speaking, Frankie de Jong has no intention to leave Barcelona. Still on the same point. Frankie de Jong wants to stay at Barcelona. Frankie de Jong wants to continue at Barca. He loves the city. He loves the club. Let me remind that is something that is not so mentioned in the press, but last official statement by Frankie de Jong was a press conference after the game with the Dutch national team. And he said, I'm in the biggest team in the world. And so this was a very clear message. And this is what Frankie de Jong is doing in his conversations with his agents. Last week, his agents, Asan Cetinkaya and Dalin Dursun, in a meeting with Barcelona, told them the player has no intention to leave. So the message from Frankie was very clear and it's still the same. Frankie wants to continue at Barcelona. I'm sure the Manchester United till the end will try because they're trying to send a message also to Eric Ten Hag. He wants the young and they're trying till the end to change the situation, to change his mind. As of today, there is an agreement between Manchester United and Barcelona. It's a full agreement. So everything is ready between Manchester United and Barcelona. If tomorrow morning Frankie de Jong says, OK, I'm going to Man United, everything is ready. They just need to prepare paperwork and to sign because they agreed on 75 million euros, 10 million euros in easy add-ons. So everything is almost ready between clubs, but not yet on player side. So as of today, it's a no for Frank. So if the Frankie de Jong situation remains unsettled, what are Manchester United's plan B's if, if he doesn't uh, choose to make the move over. Yes, at the moment, Manchester United are keeping it quiet because they also want to show to Frankie de Jong that he is the plan A, B, C. And so it's normal to see Manchester United on this position. But as always in top clubs, they explore many possibilities, many, option, many options. So it's absolutely normal to have a list of players I want to keep an eye, for example, on Yuri Tillemans. Uh, what happens with Yuri Tillemans is really important, I think, because he's always been close to joining Arsenal and then they never submitted the proposal. So he's still waiting for Arsenal, but there is still no official bid because Arsenal have now different priorities after signing another midfielder like Fabio Vieira on, uh, on the market. And so Tillemans is still waiting for Arsenal, but his agents had conversations with Manchester United a few months ago. Manchester United always had this player in their radar. It's a very good opportunity because he's out of contact with Leicester uh, till next summer. And so this is an interesting opportunity for many clubs also discussing about the fee and the budget. We know how important it is to mention the budget for Man United as they spent big money on a player like Lisandro and they signed Malasia, Ericsson on a free. So the budget is something that is really, really important. But I'm sure that they will have some, some other plan. And I mentioned Tillemans. Ruben Neves is a player that they always had in their list, but depends on the price because if Wolves are asking for 100 million euros for Ruben Neves as they did a few weeks ago or months ago, it's something that Man United are not going to pay. So it depends on the opportunities, but today is still Frankie, Frankie, Frankie. And Tillemans could be, together with Ruben Neves, some of the names that they are exploring. 
One team that has not been quiet in the transfer window has been Chelsea adding Koulibaly. They just added Raheem Sterling. We've seen them kind of replace all the outgoings that they had in the back. Are they done? I know the Kunde rumors and the Kimpembe rumors are out there. Who's more likely to come as of now uh, and could both potentially join uh, London this summer? I think they have both chances to join to join Chelsea and the plan at Chelsea is to sign three centre-backs. Then it depends on, on, of course, also in this case, on the budget. They don't want to spend crazy money, but they want to do smart investments. And so this is why they are going quite on these players. They signed Koulibaly and they're super happy with him because, uh, in my personal opinion, they signed a fantastic player. Sometimes he's underrated, but this guy in, in, in Serie A made a difference for many, many years. He's a fantastic professional, fantastic player. So I think this is a great business for, for Chelsea. And now it's time to go for, for Kimpembe. They are in negotiations with Paris Saint-Germain. They are preparing a proposal while we are speaking. So Chelsea are discussing internally about the official bid, but they have intention to, to make a proposal for, uh, for, uh, for Kimpembe. They need a left-footed centre-back and Kimpembe could be one of the best options on the market. So he's one of the names that they have in the list, but at the moment, is the main focus is on, is on Kimpembe. It depends on PSG also, because PSG want around 65 million for Kimpembe. Uh, Chelsea would be prepared to pay around 50 million. So let's see how at the end it will, it will be for the, for the price tag for, a, for a Kimpembe. But at the moment, this is the situation between the two clubs. And then for Kunde, for Kunde, is a crazy story because Chelsea were one step away from signing him last summer. It was really, really close. It was a matter of details and then it collapsed because Sevilla were not happy to sell the player a few hours before the end of the market. Then Chelsea have always been in touch with his agents and Chelsea changed their board, of course, with Marina and Peter Cech leaving the club. And so the timing of this deal has been different, but they are still keen on Kunde. They reactivated the contacts with Kunde agents during the last weekend. And so Chelsea are still there. Barcelona are there because Xavi is in love with Kunde. Xavi had some conversations with Kunde and the player would be open and joining Barcelona. So it's now time to find an agreement with Sevilla. It's a real battle between Chelsea and Barcelona. And then we will know, we will know more. But I think in general, it will be uh, this week and the next week, the centre-back moment for the market. Because there are many players available in that position, many top clubs looking for centre-backs. And so Chelsea will be pretty busy with this one. And could we see them potentially cash in on, say, Christian Pulisic? Or do you expect him to stay at the club uh, to try to finance some of these moves? Uh, at the moment, there is nothing special on, on Pulisic to, to report. We had a lot of rumors, but at the moment, uh, Chelsea are still counting on him. And so, at um, the moment, I don't see any, any move imminent. Let's see what happens in August, because Pulisic wants to feel like he's important for Thomas Tuchel. He doesn't want to be just one of the players, but he wants to be one, an important player for Chelsea, for Tuchel, and for their project. So this is the point and why we have to keep the situation open. Uh, I can tell you that he was one of the players discussed between Juventus and Chelsea when they were thinking of a potential swap deal for Matthijs De Ligt. But then at the end, there was no agreement on the value of the player. And this is why for Werner and Pulisic, there was no possibility to include the player in the negotiation. And then the Ligt ended up at Bayer. Uh, but at the moment, it's still something that we have to keep open, but it's not something uh, imminent on the market for Chelsea. So Fabrizio, speaking of another London club, Arsenal, you reported that, that Alexander Zinchenko is on his way to North London for £30 million. Is the expectation that he's going to play in the midfield, more of a left back? And is Arsenal going to be more, still more active in the market, maybe trying to seal a deal for Tielemans or somebody else to help solidify their midfield? Well, first of all, I think Arsenal will be active till the end. Uh, honestly, you mentioned Tillemans as he's a player that they've always been interested in, but also uh, let's see what happens with wingers because they wanted Rafinha. And so they've been exploring also other alternative, alternatives in that position. So maybe if something good will appear on the market, 
it could be a possibility. Arsenal have a very clear idea on the market. We know that, for example, in January, they wanted Dujan Vlaovic. They were not able to sign Dujan Vlaovic because the player wanted to join Juventus. And then they decided to wait, to wait on the market till June to sign Gabriel Jesus, who was the second target. So they're not going to waste money on players that they don't trust. So at the moment, they're looking for uh, this, this deal for, for Zinchenko. There is an agreement in place between Manchester City and Arsenal. It's a full agreement between all the parties for £30 million. Pounds. So everything is done between the two clubs. They are trying to find an agreement also with the player. Let me clarify that Zinchenko is happy about Arsenal. So he's not refusing Arsenal as a destination. He knows Mikel Arteta. So Zinchenko would be open and happy to join Arsenal. It depends on the contract, length of the contract, salary. So there are some details to clarify on personal terms between Zinchenko and, uh, and Arsenal. But the conversation is ongoing. And this week will be key to understand if everything will be completed or not. But Arsenal are working on Zinchenko this week and now timing becomes important in the market because we're approaching the end of, of July. So Zinchenko is now the priority, but I'm sure that Arsenal are not done. Uh, so I, I expect them to move on other players. On Zinchenko position, I'm told that Arteta is a big fan of this player and he's looking for versatile players because he's convinced that Zinchenko could play as a midfielder, as a left-back, so he's perfect to play in different positions. I'm told that the player would be happy to play as a midfielder sometimes uh, and not just as a left-back as it happened with Manchester City. So this is why Arsenal could be a good destination for him too. But this is why Arsenal wanted Lisandro, who joined Manchester United, because Lisandro could play in many different positions. So Arteta is looking for this kind of players and he thinks that Zinchenko could be absolutely perfect. Uh, speaking what? of City, they were just like they, they were very efficient in true Pep Guardiola fashion early on, uh, selling Sterling, bringing in Holland and Calvin Phillips. Um, what do you think are the most pressing issues at City now, or is it going to be pretty quiet uh, at the Etihad from now until the end of uh, the transfer window? For sure, the situation of Ake changed a bit the plans because they wanted to find a solution for Ake with Chelsea pushing. He had an agreement, not an Ake with Chelsea. It was agreed on personal terms, but not between clubs. And so it collapsed because at the moment, Ake and Chelsea deal is is off, but it was a possibility for Man City to sell Ake and sign a new centre-back. They were interested in Kunde, but then we know that now it's Chelsea-Barcelona because Ake is staying at uh, in Manchester City. And the real priority now is the left-back because if Jinchenko really goes to, to Arsenal, if this deal will be completed, I'm sure that Manchester City are going to, to try for a left-back. The main target has always been, and this still, Marco Curedia from Brighton. It depends on the fee because when I read around of 60, 65 million, I don't see Manchester City paying this money for Curedia. They want to sign him. They love the player. Pep Guardiola, Chiqui Begiris, time people into the club are convinced that Curedia will be absolutely perfect for Manchester City style. He's also a very good guy, very good professional. This is something that is really important for Manchester City project. So this is why they want him, but not paying 60 or 65 million. They want to pay smart money, maybe including some add-ons in this negotiation. But first step has to be Zinchenko to leave the club. So as you mentioned, for Man City, it's pretty clear. They sold Gabriel Jesus and now they have Erling Garland. They sold Sterling and now they have Julian Alvarez. Uh, Fernandinho decided to leave the club and now they have Calvin Phillips. It has to be the same with Kukureya. Uh, Zinchenko needs to go and then they will be able to try for, uh, for Marco Kukureya, who is the priority. Last time we had you on, you talked about how Newcastle was going to be smarter with their money and not just splash big name signings and, and people who would make headlines and try to really build a squad. They've been pretty quiet though. We saw they added Botman, but they haven't really made any other big time moves. Could we see that change in the next month and, and who have they been quietly targeting? 
I think yes. I think yes. They will go on some striker. So I expect Newcastle to move on a striker. They were exploring a move for a winger like Moussa Diaby. He's a player that they really appreciate, but it's about the price. It's not easy to offer the price because Bayer Leverkusen have no intention to sell him this summer. So it has to be a very good bid. And this is why at the moment the situation is quiet between Newcastle and, uh, and Moussa Diaby. Um, but yes, I see, I see Newcastle moving on the market for a striker. They were interested in, in Armando Broglia, for example, but now he's getting closer to joining uh, West Ham from, from Chelsea. Uh, they've always been exploring many interesting young strikers like Guko Kitike. Kitike was a one step away from joining Newcastle and then he collapsed because of personal terms and commission to the agents. And so he joined Paris Saint-Germain. But I see Newcastle signing a striker and I still go with my opinion on Newcastle. I think... People were expecting last September when they had a takeover of the new owners, Newcastle spending money on maybe old players with big name, with big salary and expecting this kind of moves for Newcastle. And then they're proving them uh, not, not right because they, they are 100% convinced that their strategy is perfect to go with young talents, with players who could be part of the project for many, many years. And this will be the idea for Newcastle to go for young talents and players they can trust for the future. Uh, two of those players that were, were linked at Newcastle were Anthony Gordon and Dominic Calvert-Lewin of Everton. They both look like they're staying put uh, at Goodison Park. What is Frank Lampard up to? It's been pretty quiet. I know Everton's still dealing with a lot of financial fair play stuff that they need to get sorted out. Um, do you think that the rest of the window will be pretty busy for them? Or is this kind of what we're, this, this squad is what we're going to expect to see uh, as the transfer window closes in six weeks? No, I think it will be it will be pretty busy uh, for Gordon. The idea is to keep the player. They they are convinced that he has a fantastic potential. This is why he's now number ten, and they want to trust him for next season. So I see Everton building on this guy and on all the talents they have into the into the team. And then yes, I see them pretty busy because they know that they have to go for some opportunities on the market. One of the players they are uh, keeping an eye on, for example, uh, is Cornet, this winger who is really appreciated. He has a release clause around twenty million, and it could be a good possibility for for Everton. And they're trying to to find a solution. Lampard is big fan of Gibbs White from Wolves. The first proposal was turned down, but Everton are still keen on signing him, and I expect them to try and try again till the end of the market. And then Levy Colwell. I think this is a really interest, interesting opportunity because if really Chelsea will sign three centre-backs, Koulibaly and two more in the coming days. I think Levy Colwell will leave the club. Uh, he's already exploring options. Southampton and Everton are really keen on signing him. Let's see if it will be a permanent deal because this is a possibility because the player wants to play. Uh, he wants to have the opportunity to have some game time. And so I think this is a very interesting opportunity for Everton because, of course, Frank Lampard knows him and he's pushing to sign him, but Southampton are still there. And what about Connor Gallagher, another player that Frank Lampard has a lot of connections to from his time at Chelsea? Do you think he's staying put with uh, Thomas Tuchel at Stamford Bridge? I think he has very good chances to to stay. He wants, at the moment, uh, Thomas Tuchel wants to see Connor in the in this preseason. Uh, he wants to see his his progress. He wants to see his mentality. He wants to test him for Chelsea. But let me say also Tuchel is a big fan of Broya, for example. And then the player wanted to go. And so this is why he's getting closer to West Ham. But on Connor's side, uh, Gallagher wants to wants to try with Chelsea, wants to try to have this opportunity. And so I think he has good chances to stay at Chelsea this, uh, this season. Then it depends because it's a typical situation that will be decided in August. You know, Maybe the player will decide to get a good ticket and maybe it's the case to go on loan again, to have some game time and then leave Chelsea. But at the moment... Tuchel wants to see him, to continue with him. And so it's still something quiet. And I think he's a fantastic talent. So it's a good chance for Chelsea to prove him in the Premier League with, uh, with Conor Gallagher. Two teams that have been pretty quiet since getting their business done earlier, Liverpool and Spurs. 
Should we expect anything else from these two clubs? I know Matthias Nunes has been, has been somewhat linked to Liverpool lately and Spurs did uh, add Jed Spence, but uh, are we expecting any more big moves or, or are Conte and Klopp kind of ready for preseason and, and focused on what they have at the, at the club? Well, Liverpool are super happy with the market they had with Darwin Nunez, Fabio Carvalho, Ramsey, but I would keep always the market open for, for Liverpool because in January, trust me, they had no intention to sign any player. They were really relaxed, happy with their team. And then when they had the opportunity to sign Luis Diaz, because they saw many clubs jumping into it, like Tottenham, West Ham, trying to sign Luis, Jurgen Klopp decided in 24 hours, together with the board, of course, to jump into it and to sign Luis immediately. So the market sometimes in not just uh, strategy, but also reaction. And this is why Liverpool were very good with Luis Diaz. And this is why I would keep the situation open for Liverpool in the end. But as of today, their plan is to focus on the new midfielder and they want a top midfielder for next summer, summer 2023, because they wanted Chouameni this summer. He had some conversations with Jurgen Klopp. So Liverpool were really trying for Chouameni, but then at the end he decided to join Real Madrid. But I see Liverpool busy with conversations right now to sign a top midfielder next summer. So this is the idea, this is the strategy. And of course, they are a big fan of Jude Bellingham, but I'm sure that it will be a crazy fight to sign Bellingham in summer 2023 because he's not available on the market this summer and Borussia Dortmund will keep him at the club. And for Tottenham, they had, in my personal opinion, a fantastic summer, but Atici changed the strategy of this club. We're always used to see Tottenham not spending a lot of money or spending just at the end of the window. In this case, they already signed six players, which just spans set to be announced very soon. And so at the moment, they're really happy with the squad they have. They need to sell players, Lo Celso, Dombele, to find a solution for Aguillon, who in my opinion is a very good opportunity because he's a very good left back available on the market, but also other players like Winks. So they are looking for solutions for these players. And then they will decide if there will be some opportunity on the market, if jumping into it or not. So I think in August, Fabio Paratici will look at some opportunities, but as of now, they're really happy with the market they had. So let's keep everything open, but Liverpool are focusing on next summer. And Tottenham are focused on selling players because they have too many players with Antonio Conte right now. Let's jump from the top of the table last year to the bottom, to the newly promoted teams. Nottingham Forest has been pretty busy. Meanwhile, Bournemouth and Fulham, uh, pretty quiet. Do you think anything's going to be coming out of those camps uh, before the window shuts? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm sure that Fulham will be working, especially Fulham will be working for, for Marco Silva because Marco wants new signings and it's normal. He had Andreas Pereira and I think the next one will be Manor Solomon. This deal is almost done, just dealing with something with the FIFA regulations because of the Ukraine situation, but Manor Solomon will be, will be Fulham player. And then they will go for a right back and Babu is an opportunity they are considering. They're really close to, to reach an agreement to sign him. So they're working on many different positions. But uh, I also expect them to go for a striker. So I think the striker domino for the top clubs already started with many players like Haaland, Darwin Nunez, and many of them already finding a new club. But I think that in August, many of these clubs like Barmouth, Fulham will have the opportunity to jump on strikers. So now with Broja getting closer to West Ham, I think is the beginning of a new domino of strikers. And this is something that could be interesting for, for Fulham. But now the priority is to sign complete the signing of Manor Solomon and then to move into, into other deals. They're really happy with Palinha. They're really happy with Andres Pereira. So they started well, but they want to continue in August. And uh, we don't want to take too much of your time. So we have one last question that a listener really wants to know. And it's, how much do you sleep on average <laughs> during the summer transfer window every night? Ah, good question. It depends on the moments, you know, because the market is about the moments. But we also, also have moments where I sleep like three, four hours, honestly. And no more than six, never more than six. But I would say average is around five, four or five 
uh, going to sleep around 5 a.m. and waking up around 9, 10. So this is my sleep schedule during the market. And then the rest of the year, I'm pretty normal person. But during the market, I... I love to be awake to, to control everything. I can't sleep. I don't want to sleep because I want to control everything. So this is why for me it's almost impossible. Well, Fabrizio, we thank you for your time. You're a very busy man during the transfer window. And for you, our dear listeners, we thank you for listening. And just remember, we'll be back with all our Premier League preview content here on the Wonder Goal podcast. So be sure to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow the Wonder Goal Soccer Betting Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Premier League season starts in three weeks, gentlemen. Busy, busy time. 